And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network, the post-game edition. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. And the Raiders are rolling going into the bye week at five and two, the number two seed in the AFC playoff picture right now after a 33-22 win at home over the Philadelphia Eagles. And from start to finish, about as dominant a performance as we've seen out of the Raiders. They did fall down 7 nothing, but after that, the defense really just stepped it up until allowing a couple late touchdowns. The offense rattled off 30 straight points. Their car basically didn't throw any incompletions. Only it was 31 of 34. This team, they're looking really good right now. And in a wide open AFC, to see them string together another impressive performance, you got to be impressed with what you're seeing right now. Yeah, they're a juggernaut. They're incredible. Really impressed. I mean, obviously, we knew the D line has been there all year long and really coming through for them again today. I mean, Ngakwe was really uh, had his way with the uh, Eagles' the offensive line. And uh, you mentioned Derek Carr. I mean, 31 of 34, I think it's the second best. Percentage rate for quarterback who's thrown over 30 passes in NFL history. So a lot of weapons. He's spreading the ball around. They didn't need Darren Waller. I mean, Josh Jacobs kind of hurt. Didn't need him. Again, really impressive win. And I think a great way to go into their bye week. By the way, was there an update on Josh Jacobs? He was getting tested after the game. We asked Passaccia. He had like a, a hit in his chest. They were doing some, I was doing x-rays. But uh, he was being looked at when the game after the game was over. So no update beyond he was getting checked out by doctors. But he took a shot in the chest at some point in the second quarter. Yeah, we didn't get an official update on Waller either, but uh, Foster Moreau after the game, you know, he said it seems like it's something that's relatively minor. They, they probably just wanted to be safe with it, particularly going into the bye week, um, getting back healthy. But, yeah, I mean, outside of the, really the first drive on both sides, you know, the, the Eagles drove down and scored pretty easily on their first drive. And then the Raiders, even though they got in the end zone, they, they had that interception, one of, you know, Cars three completions that kind of threw it off. And so it was kind of a shaky start. But really from there, they, they took off and had those 33 points. And, you know, I wrote, you know, earlier in the week before the game, you know, it's the kind of game that you have to win at home against a, a lesser team if you're going to be serious about the postseason. And they didn't just win, but they, they pretty much handled the Eagles for most of the game. I know the final margin is only 11 points, but, but it was a felt like a much more comfortable win than that. They haven't been in this sort of position going into the bye since 2016, which, you know, as we know, was their last time making the playoffs. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing from here is just can this team finish? You know, we've seen them be able to finish games better this season, but just in terms of overall, you know, do they, do they wear down towards the end? Do those injuries start catching up to them or are they able to keep this up and, and keep overcoming whatever comes their way and, and close the season up? 
Yeah, I mean, the interception by Carr really, I it was his, probably his only bad pass of the 34. It was it was behind Jalen Richard. It was deflected, interception. It, it was a bad pass. We're not going to sugarcoat that. Literally, that was it. I mean, everything else from him pretty much was on the money. I think he had the one pass to Renfro that, uh, that maybe got pressured and, and short-hopped it a little bit, but he was as money as we've seen him. Yeah, that first big throw to Zay Jones was a real, that was a huge play. I kind of got the offense going and Versace sat after the game like in, in practice on Wednesdays and Thursdays would go almost the whole two sessions and not throw me like two or three incomplete passes and that's pretty I mean, it's just he's very accurate especially this year and I think um, he's very confident about the weapons he has and how he's using them you know, it's not a revelation that Carr is an accurate quarterback, but for him to, you know, complete over 90 percent of his passes and it, and it not be a situation where, you know, it was a bunch of dink and dunk kind of short throws like he was averaging, you know, 9.5 yards per attempt, still pushing it downfield, being aggressive. He just, you know, wasn't missing. And, you know, that they were, you know, I know Raheem Ruggs is leading him in, in receiving yards, but, you know, he was out without his best receiving target and, and Darren Waller and. You know, the offensive line, while they've been steadily improving, still kind of finding their way. And so. Yeah, I think this, you know, you could argue, I know, I know he's had more yards and more touchdowns in games this season, but this might have been his most impressive overall performance yet. Yeah, I wonder if the accuracy is a product of them shortening up the playbook and just them being more precise and on the same page uh, with each other on certain things, because there are certain good things about running the ton of volume plays they did under Gruden. But I think one thing you lose with that is just like the little precision and timing stuff you get when you shorten down the playbook, you kind of focus more on the quality of plays and you kind of know where everybody is a little bit more than you would when, you know, you're just running a ton of plays. So they just look like they're on the same page and they look like a well-oiled oiled machine right now. And, you know, coming into the game, I thought, and I think a lot of people thought the biggest mismatch would be the Raiders interior of the interior of the line versus Fletcher Cox and Hargrave. And it turned out to be the complete opposite. The Raiders kind of dominated those guys. And I think that's what really kind of put things in their favor. This was the second straight week where, I mean, the offensive game plan, I mean, these have probably been the two best offensive game plans of the season. I mean, I thought they were just, they were really on point. You know, they did not score a touchdown on the first drive, but they were on their way marching toward points before that interception. And my favorite play call might've been that fourth and goal from the one uh, where they throw that quick pass to Brian Edwards and he is basically able to walk right into the end zone. Now, I don't know why Nick Sirianni didn't challenge the pass before that to Hunter Renfro because that wasn't a catch. And in my mind, I don't, I don't think he actually caught it. He was bobbling it as they went to the ground. And the Raiders kind of got a, a break uh, with uh, really the second straight week of going up against a coach who doesn't quite know what to do with challenges uh, instead of bad challenges. This was a, a bad missed challenge, but that's regardless of the point. I, I'm not really love that fourth down play call. Uh, we've seen how much under Gruden, the Raiders have struggled. There's short yarded situations. And I think that was you know a really nice play call from Olsen. Yeah. I was going to say something that's, you know, also obviously helping the offense a ton is, you know, it seems like that lineup change is, is starting to pay dividends for the offensive line. I think their, their pass protection immediately got better um, in, in the first two games with, with Alex Leatherwood at right guard and Brandon Parker at right tackle. But in this game, we, we saw the run game and they start to free up. I know they only averaged four point four point one yards per carry, but it was higher than that, you know, earlier in the game before they started kind of trying to play, uh, you know, controlling the ball with the clock and, and kneeling it out and things like that. And so I think, you know, having a serviceable run game, both with King and Drake and Josh Jacobs before he got hurt, that also, you know, probably lessens the load a little bit on Derek. I know he still threw the ball, you know, 30 plus times, but it wasn't quite to the degree um, at the start of the season where we, we saw them just, you know, throwing the ball 50 times sometimes in, in games. 
Andre James looked a lot better in, in this game than he has previously. I, I think there were times where he just really struggled with um, getting to the second level either too early or too, too late. And uh, I, I thought this game, he just did a really good job of helping out when he needed to and just getting to the second level. Uh, so, yeah, just a really encouraging sign for the interior of the line. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder if Leatherwood continues to really improve inside. Did they just leave him there? Yeah, I think something else that might uh, factor in in, in Leatherwood staying put or not is uh, initially they were, they were saying that they, they were expecting, you know, Richie Incognito to be able to return after the bye week in week nine. And so uh, if he is able to come back, maybe at that point you, you kick Leatherwood back out to tackle. Um, or if DJ Fluker, um, who they signed earlier this week, whenever he's able to get back healthy, he's also a guy that's capable of starting at guard do the same thing, potentially kick Leatherwood out. And so I think part of it, you know, also probably just depends on who gets healthy. Yeah. I mean, and John Simpson left the game a couple of times here on Sunday. Uh, so we, we'll kind of have to see what his status is like after the bye and, and see if he's healthy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, we don't really know kind of what was going on with him, but he, he did leave the game twice. Yeah. I think on uh, Simpson, I was trying to remember. I, yeah, I don't think we, we got an answer on him after the game. So that probably, Monday will probably be our first chance to really ask Bisacci about a base on, on Simpson. And I would assume by then he'd also probably have a more firm uh, answer on Jacobs and, and Waller as well. Well, Jacobs, that, that's your fault, Tashawn. Uh, you, you put out the tweet that, that he, he's finally healthy. Here he is. He, he gets that touchdown. He, at that point, he had, I think, nine touches for 58 yards. And then like 30 seconds later, uh, the TV Cuts to Josh Jacobs being escorted to the locker room, and uh, we find out he's got a chest injury, and, and, and he's out the rest of the like, game. He just like running for—he was almost untouched on that touchdown run, and all of a sudden he—he's going back to the locker room. Like he must have got hurt earlier in the drive. Somebody asked, was it like on a celebration? Did he? I don't know. Did 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 he do a chest bump with somebody? <laughs> Who knows? It wasn't like he got tagged or anything, so I had no reason to be like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't tweet this out. He's all of a sudden randomly goes to the locker room. At least I got. You know the prediction right this week, so I'll, I'll take that that L if I get the W in the prediction. Do you guys remember a chest injury? Just I was trying to think, like, when's the last time I heard of a chest injury? I mean, you hear pectoral injuries. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but it seems like like ninety five percent. This is I'm just making that number up off the top of my head. Ninety five percent of pectoral injuries though seem to be linebackers. I don't know Nick Wachowski last year. I know the like the Broncos two starting linebackers both have pec injuries. I, it seems like a, a linebacker injury, but. I don't know. Um, hopefully it's not any kind of serious pectoral injury and hopefully he just, I don't know, got stung a little bit, but uh, we'll see. But Kenya Drake uh, got his most extensive action, uh, 14 carries, 69 yards in the running game. You know, he had three catches, only 10 yards on those, but so still 17 touches for Kenyon Drake, a season high and uh, got another touchdown. And I mean, 4.9 yards per carry. I mean, that's, that's pretty solid, uh, especially kind of what the standard has been for the Raiders on the ground this year. Yeah, I think they were running a little more gap scheme stuff with him where he just has to go in a straight line and doesn't have to do too much reading. And that's good for him when the, the read is a little more defined and you get to see his explosiveness and, you know, just shooting through those holes. So this was a good game for Drake. And um, but I, I think more importantly, I think the line was just opening up holes and just making life easy on wh- whoever was in the backfield. Guy we mentioned earlier who really had a nice game was Foster Moreau. You're playing in place of Darren Waller six catches 60 yards a touchdown and here's a guy that I mean I think on this show we've advocated for him being more involved in the offense last season and kind of been surprised that he hasn't had as big of a role offensively this season and this was a big opportunity for him without Darren Waller kind of a nice luxury because I mean I think they do feel like 
He's a guy that, that could handle this type of a role. And going into the bye, they were able to give Darren Waller the week off to, to just kind of make sure he could really get healthy. And he responded, played very well. I mean, the touchdown catch that he had, uh, I still don't know how he was able to grab that over a couple of defenders. Yeah, he forgot most of his game by the by the post-game press conference. He, he couldn't really remember very many specific plays, but uh, he came up pretty well. Um, you know, they only had two active tight ends for this game you know, between him and Matt Bushman, who made, was making his NFL debut tonight. Uh, you know, Foster you know, led, led the way with, with six catches, 60 yards, and, and a touchdown. And you know, I, I haven't rewatched the game yet, but Cole Miller gave him a shout-out also for doing really well as a blocker. And then we'd seen him earlier this season kind of have some struggles um, in that area. And it sounds like he contributed not just to them, you know, giving up zero sacks, but uh, also having some success on the ground. So I think both as a as a receiver and as a blocker, probably Foster's best game of the season so far. We should see more 12 personnel from the Raiders. They liked 13 personnel a lot when they had carrier, but, you know, with 12 personnel, they have they could get two tight ends and two receivers on a field. I think they could do some interesting things if they, um, they, they do use more 12 personnel. I, I know they want to cut down on their personnel package usage a little bit, but, you know, just going from – 11 to 12 to 21 should give them a, a pretty diverse uh, little package of plays, I think, that they don't have to go too crazy on. But, uh, you know, I, I would want to see Waller and Moreau on the field and, and running pass patterns more, more often. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's funny. As soon as uh, Moreau started having having a nice game, I, I did send you guys a message that uh, you could guarantee we're going to get something interesting, unique, or whatever out of Foster Moreau post game. And this is the first time I've ever seen where a player took to the podium before the head coach uh, post game. He, he it was not Rich Basaccia that was the first guy to first guy to come talk to you after the game. It, it was Foster Moreau first in the uh, the press conference room. Yeah, somebody tweeted me that he had to uh, check his notes to make sure I didn't stump him with a with another question, like on that injury report a couple weeks ago. So that was that was super strange. And then Foster, like he had some some weird answers. So I don't know if he was all the way prepared. <laughs> so things are definitely different, you know, in, in Las Vegas right now. Foster gonna be one of those guys. If he, if he becomes a superstar, then like it, he's gonna have like just weird press conferences every every time he has a big game or something. Uh, we talked a little bit about the defense earlier. Let's, let's get into them more. I mean, it's becoming a trend. I mean, it's it's not a surprise anymore when this defense plays well. We talked about Unique and Gakwe, two sacks, and, and that really probably doesn't even tell half the story. A couple quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, two passes defended. He, he was uh, batting passes down. Quentin Jefferson, who, who was gone all week from practice while dealing with a personal matter, a family matter. You know, I haven't been doing this very long, but I don't remember – 
I'd have to really think hard on, on the defense making this kind of turnaround, you know, from just with a one-year difference. Uh, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to to Gus Bradley, of course, but also all these players that they brought in um, and, and the returning guys that got better, like like Crosby and, and Corey Littleton, um, I, I would say, has stepped it up over last year. And Jonathan Abram in his new role stepping up. Really just got to credit these guys on, on the side of the ball. You know, I, I know the offense, um, you know, just naturally we talk about them more, but I would I would say the defense has probably been, you know, more consistent throughout the season. The offense has had these wild swings where they're really good and then really terrible, but the defense has been pretty pretty constant throughout and it's something that, that they've really been able to rely on so far. And just going back to, to Crosby, um, Crosby hasn't really faced that many great right tackles. He's, he's faced a lot of bad right tackles. And this was his biggest test against Lane Johnson, who might be the best right tackle in the league. And, you know, he, he didn't have a monster stat line like he used to, but he did have a few nice pressures. And it, it was telling that they were trying to chip him and leaving Ngakwe one-on-one on the backside, which uh, he dominated on. So that's just kind of what the Raiders are doing right now. Um, you know, if you give too much attention to Ngakwe, then Crosby's going to have a good game. If you have too much attention to Crosby, then uh, Ngakwe is going to have a good game. So they, they, just, they just have a really good thing going. Faison, that guy's been yeah. probably the biggest surprise on this defense. Yeah, this is another example of the Raiders, uh, you know, as we said consistently this season. I mean, he was the reason why Meek Robertson got benched last year. And, and this, this today, Meek Robertson was inactive. Uh, I know he, he was a mid-round pick. It wasn't like he was a high pick, but he's still a young guy. Instead of like, you know, are you saying, can he bounce back? Like, ah, nah, get, get him out of here for face on. And so really whoever has the hot hand, that's who, that's who the Raiders are rolling with. I think we see it a lot more on defense just because they have so many returning pieces on offense. But, you know, they're, they're really not pulling any punches when it comes to, you know, just going with whoever's the most effective, no matter, you know, what their name is, how much money they make or, or where they were drafted. You know, Ted, you wrote this week about Jonathan Abram, and I thought, you know, what we're seeing out of him is a guy that he just used to be all about wanting to make the big blow-up play, and he's just so much more disciplined now. I mean, I, there was there was one play in this game, I remember the kind of them showing the behind-the-QB shot where he didn't go after Jalen Hurts when it looked like Jalen Hurts might scramble. He stayed in his passing lane, and he was able to, to be there to kind of help make a play. That's what has been driving people crazy his first two seasons obviously didn't really play as a rookie but last season is that he was always wanting to make that big play but now we're just seeing a disciplined guy and we know he's a big hitter we know he can deliver the big hits when you need him to but uh the fact that he's add discipline to his game just just gives him a chance to be the player the Raiders wanted yeah I, I think a big part of it is he he trusts the system and he trusts his teammates to make plays I, I think last year he was trying to do too much individually but overall, I, I think trust is the biggest thing that um, he's exhibiting with his teammates and the system. And yeah, he, he looks good. We'll get into this more as we uh, break the Raiders down at the bye week. But, you know, five and two. And they're really presented with a great opportunity with the way the AFC is unfolding this season. The Chiefs lost again on Sunday, just got their butts kicked by the Titans. Uh, looked terrible. Patrick Mahomes looked bad. And I mean, they have a real opportunity presented in front of themselves. Uh, we know the Chargers are pretty good. Obviously, the Chargers beat the Raiders. Uh, they had the bye there at four and two. I mean, this is a year where you don't have to think wild card. I mean, we the way the Chiefs have been playing over recent years, you kind of were in that mode of, you know, let, let's hope to compete for a wild card. I mean, the AFC West is in play this season with the Chiefs already at four losses. They're definitely in a mix for it. Um, I still think it's going to come down to the to the wire in this division, you know, whether the Chiefs figure it out or not, um, just with the Chargers, I, I think they're legit and, and the real deal. And, you know, obviously they'll, they'll have a chance to get their revenge on them later in the season. So, so we'll see how that shakes out. But 
I think I think the, with the Raiders have only played two divisional games so far, and, and so we kind of have to see you know how it shakes out once they once they once they start to get into more of their divisional schedule later on in the season. But I don't think any of us had them you know five and five and two at this point in the season going into the bye. Um, you know, especially with that, that kind of difficult start that they had, you know, to, to begin the year and. So it's kind of a similar situation um, that they were go- going into the bye last year, where, where they start off better than we think they would, and again, it just comes down to you know down the stretch, you know, are, are they able to finish or, or do they fall apart again? I think the biggest thing is not like I agree with you that I think by the end of the season the Chiefs are probably still going to be in the mix, but just the fact that they already have four losses. I mean, they, they lost; they were you know fourteen and one last year before they you know played their reserves and, and lost in week seventeen. You know, they're not going to have this division wrapped up in early December this year. And I think that's the biggest difference is that it's going to, you know, they have fallen down enough that there's no way that they're going to just be running away with this division. So there's going to be meaningful opportunities for, you know, the Raiders and the Chargers to, uh, to, to give them a run for their money. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. Uh, I mean, the Raiders, they're, they're flying high. They beat the Eagles. Five and two going to the bye week to Sean. You, as you wrote, first time that they are multiple games over 500 entering the bye week since 2016. They were seven and two that year at the bye. And obviously that was their 12 and four season, went to the playoffs. See if they can repeat that. But five and two is a lot better than I think most people thought. And, but you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, all of a sudden that's a game that, uh, oh, in a month from now is, is looking pretty huge. The Bengals are also five and two after beating the Ravens. An interesting season right now going on in the AFC as as uh, the Bengals and the Raiders hold the top two playoff positions uh, after week seven. And those games were the cheapest tickets you could get for a Vegas game before the season. But those might end up being a little more a little pricier now. Yeah, my friend has season tickets. He couldn't give away his Bengals tickets. So it might be a hot ticket now. Things have changed. All right, guys, we will be back uh, later on during this bye week to uh, just kind of analyze the first seven games of the season get you set for you know the unofficial second half of the season we're about a week away from the trade deadline see if the raiders make any moves my guess at this point there's probably not a whole lot of moves for them to make uh you know the offensive line starting to come together Richie incognito might be back after the bye and they've got a hell of a lot of offensive weapons right now and i mean the defense is playing as well as we've seen the raiders defense play in a long time so uh, raiders are in pretty good shape and we'll see how they can do in the second half But again, it could be the freakish peck thing. So who peck, knows? Man. I want to, I want to find out what happened to the peck. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.